Let us now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 2. There we find God's word summarized as follows. From where do you know your sins and misery? From the law of God. What does God's law require of us? Christ teaches us this in a summary in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Can you keep all this perfectly? No, I am inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbor. After the sermon, we will respond by singing from hymn 42, stanzas 1, 2, and 8. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, home, that's where we are most comfortable. There we are surrounded with things that are familiar to us. That's where we know where we can find things that we need and where we have access to them. When we are at home, we feel free. That's where we have our favorite chair, our own bed, and our own possessions, And that's where we're also surrounded by loved ones, our parents and brothers and sisters, or our husband or wife and our children. That's where we are comfortable with each other. That's where we can speak our mind and be ourselves. When you are away from home, then you miss your familiar surroundings. It is hard to be away from home, especially when you are young. And... That is the hardest, the farther you are away from home and the stranger the place that you are in. The longer you are from home, the more miserable you feel. Lord's Day 2 deals with our sin and misery. In the original German edition, the word Elend is used. It means out of the land. And so essentially it means away from home. Misery has to do with being away from home. We can identify with that. No doubt you children in this congregation can as well. Sometimes your parents have to go away and they can't take you along. Then you have to stay at somebody else's house. And then while your mom and dad are gone, you miss them, don't you? You can't wait to be home again. That's not just the case with children but also when you get older. Let me tell you a story to illustrate that. At one time, I spoke to an old woman, somebody you do not know. She was well into her 80s and was reminiscing about her younger years. She told me about a painful time, a time when she was 25 years old and she was engaged to be married. She was still living at home. In those days, you did not leave home until you were married. It just wasn't done. 
and also you couldn't afford to be away from home. But then one time she had a falling out with her mom and dad. Her fiancé's mother had broken her neck, and it appeared that she was on her deathbed. Her fiancé wanted her to come with him to the hospital to visit her, but she was not allowed by her own parents, for she still had chores to do. When you lived at home, you were expected to pull your weight. But she went anyway. Her fiancé insisted, for that might be the last way, the last time that she could speak to her fiancé's mother. Her parents were very angry with her, especially her mother. Because she defied her parents, she was not allowed to come home anymore. She was no longer welcome, nor was her fiancé. Most of her brothers and sisters even sided with her parents. Her mother was a hard woman and did not tolerate dissent. But while she was away from home, she was miserable. She did not like it that she had a falling out with her parents. After about three or four months, she talked to her dad and told him that she was sorry about the falling out, and she asked him if she was allowed to come home. He embraced her and said, Of course, we missed you. And so she went home again. And she also reconciled herself to her mother. It was worth it to her, for in spite of everything, she still loved her parents. And her parents also loved her. Being away from each other made them all feel miserable. It drove them again into each other's arms. That's also the way it is with our Heavenly Father. Except when it comes to our relationship with Him, it is totally our fault when we are alienated from Him. And the knowledge of our sins and misery has to teach us to want to be home with Him. That's what I will preach to you about this afternoon. The theme is as follows. Our sins and misery teach us the comfort of home. We will see in the first place how far we have wandered away from home, and secondly, the reason we wandered away from home. The Catechism tells us that we know our sins and misery from the law of God. But what does that mean? For this can be easily misunderstood and abused. We could, for example, use the law as a kind of a checklist, just like a mechanic has a checklist to see how roadworthy a car is. He will check the tires to see if there is enough tread left, and then the brakes. Is there enough brake fluid? If not, he'll top it up. And he will check the oil. Is it low? Does it need changing? And what about the timing belt and the radiator? And what about the belts? Are they tight enough or are they fraying? And so forth and so forth. And so he has a whole checklist to make sure that everything is in good working order. If not, it has to be fixed first. Then it will be roadworthy. Some people think that the law is such a checklist as well. How well, how well am I doing with regard to keeping the law? Let me see. Is God number one in my life? Well, I regularly go to church and I pray and I read the Bible and I do my best to lead a Christian lifestyle. And what about using God's name in vain? Well, I never blaspheme. I don't curse like the people at work. And stealing? 
I don't do that either. I'm also faithful to my marriage partner. I don't cheat. Oh, sure, I'm not perfect in any of these things, but I'm sure better than most others. That's how the rich young man used the law as well, as a checklist. He had examined himself and came to the conclusion that he did not murder, that he did not commit adultery, that he did not steal, and that he did not give false testimony, and that he honors his father and his mother, and that he loves his neighbor as himself. All these commandments I have kept, the young man said to the Lord Jesus. What do I still lack? He wanted a pat on the back from the Lord Jesus and to be commended for what he had done. But, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that's work righteousness. That goes totally against Scripture. It goes radically against what the gospel is all about. And yet, that's how we all tend to look at the law. We always want to go back to the idea that we can earn a place with our Father in heaven with something that we do or have done. The Judaizers wanted to do it with regard to the keeping of the Old Testament ceremonial laws. And the Roman Catholic Church also wants to do it with regard to works, and the Arminians as well. And so do those who think that our faith makes us worthy in God's eyes. Because of man's pride, we want to be able to contribute in one way or the other to our own salvation. We are always thinking of ways to escape from our predicament because of our sins. For we know that we are guilty, but then we want to find a way out without truly repenting from our sin, by keeping some sense of dignity for ourselves, by relying on our own works. Just imagine if the, if the lost son had done the same. Suppose he only wanted to get out of the tight spot that he got himself into. He says to himself, Look at what I've done. I've squandered the money my father has given me, and now I'm in deep trouble. What can I do? I have nothing left. Anything is better than what I have now. And so let me find a way in which I can get back into my father's home. At least then I'll have a square meal every day. Even if I have to keep the rules of the house to do it, it'll be worth it. If that's the attitude he had then he never really repented, for then he would not have had a change of heart, for he would still be using his father for his own ends. The only reason he would want to go back home would be to get himself out of a difficult situation. That smacks of opportunism. The same thing is true of the rich young man, because note the question that he asks the Lord Jesus. He asks him what good thing he must do to get eternal life. He only thinks about what he can get for himself. And that's his only interest. And the same thing is true of the older son in the parable of the lost son. He also had the law as a checklist. Look, Father, I've always obeyed you, so you owe me. And that's why answer four is right on the money. It doesn't give you a whole list of do's and don'ts. It doesn't come with this commandment and that commandment and with this rule and with that rule. No, it tells you about love. It tells you that you have to love God and that you have to love your neighbor. And now, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we come to the heart of the matter. 
The keeping of the law is not about you or about me. It is not about how we can earn ourselves a place in heaven. No, it is about our relationship with God and our neighbor. It is only when you understand that fully that you can have a happy life, that you can experience the true comforts of home. Imagine if it were that way in your own home. The only thing you're concerned about is your own comfort and well-being. You don't really care about anybody else. It doesn't matter to you that you deny others their comfort and their rights. No, you want the best things of home for yourself. And so you do whatever you feel like. You leave your clothes where you take them off. You leave the dishes for somebody else to do. You come home whenever you want. You eat whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like, without considering the needs of others, without considering whether or not the other members in the family might go hungry. You don't contribute anything except by doing the bare minimum. You can well imagine that such an attitude will cause all kinds of friction in the home. Your parents or your husband or wife will soon get on your case, for you are not doing your share. You set rules only for yourself. They will be angry with you. And so ultimately, you do not learn your misery by looking at the law, but by looking at the lawgiver, your Father in heaven. And if you look him in the face, then you will see the disappointment on his face, and then you will realize how selfish you are in the way that you behave. Ultimately, you learn your sins and your misery by looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. He teaches you. That's also what it says in Galatians 3, verse 24, namely, that the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. In Lord's Day 1, we were right away introduced to him. It is only because of him that we can have comfort in our Father's home. It is only because of him that we can have access to all the riches that are found in our Father's home. For we belong to him with body and soul. Our older brother, the Lord Jesus, bought us with his precious blood. In this way, he made us part of God's family again. And therefore, Lord's Day 2 cannot be understood without Lord's Day 1. You first have to realize the love of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only then that you can see your own sins. And when you look at him, then you have to ask yourself, why did he have to die? Why did he have to empty himself of the glory that he had already with his Father in heaven? Why did he have to give up the comforts of his heavenly home? And why did he have to allow himself to be forsaken by God? Why did his Father in heaven have to push him away from him? And then the answer becomes clear. It is because of my sin. Christ is the one who kept the law for us. And if you see the wonderful things that he has done for us and the great love that he has for us, then you also realize what you and I have done and how far you and I have wandered away from home. When we come to that realization, Father, then you will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And then you will humble yourself, as the younger son did, and say, I am no longer worthy 
to be called your son. The question is, why did we wander away from home in the first place? We come to the second point. What is the reason? Well, we have to go right back to paradise. When Adam and Eve sinned, they wanted to go their own way. They thought only about themselves and not about their Father in heaven who supplied them with everything that they had. Ever since that sin in paradise, it has continued to be our nature to want to please ourselves at the expense of our relationship with God and also at the expense of our relationship with our neighbor. That is why the Catechism says that we hate God and our neighbor. Perhaps you think that's a bit exaggerated. But there is a lot more to this than we are willing to admit. We may even have a certain sympathy for the younger son. He grabbed the opportunity to try to make it on his own. Isn't that a natural thing to do? Don't we all want our independence? Oh, sure, he should not have squandered his money the way he did, spending it on prostitutes and high living. But was that really the worst sin? Don't we all do stupid things at times, especially when we are young? Was that all that terrible? No, it wasn't. But what he, actually, what he did was actually much worse than that. For look at what he really did. He said, in effect, Father, as far as I'm concerned, you can drop dead. You're nothing to me. You may think that that is an exaggeration, but that is actually the way it was. For the only thing that tied him to his father was his money. For the rest, he didn't care about him. His heart was cold. He cared only about himself and his own pleasures. He just wanted to please himself, no matter who got hurt. But in the end, he realizes what he has done. And then he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And that's true. That's exactly the way it was. For he severed his ties with home. And that's also the picture the Lord God wants us to have with regard to our own sins. The fact that we have sinned means that we have severed our ties with the Lord God. And we do that time and again. When we sin, we place God outside of our lives. Then it is as if he is dead to us. And that's why, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we have to be called back. For we have to repent. We have to be called home. For we continue to walk away from home. And before we know it, we could end up in the ditch someplace. And we walk away from our Father in heaven all the time, don't we? We don't want to keep the rules. We want to create our own comfort zone. But if you realize what it means to be away from home, from the Father, then you know that only with him you can be happy. For the true riches lie with him. Your true riches are not found here on earth. That's the mistake that that rich young man made. He only thought about himself and about the earthly comforts that he had. And he didn't want to give any of that up. And the terrible thing is that he did not realize those wonderful riches that he threw away. The true riches that he could find by following the Lord Jesus all the way. Brothers and sisters, 
boys and girls, one of the hardest things for us is to examine ourselves and to realize our own misery. We look at how well we are doing in this life and are, well, satisfied with our lives. And that's because we just look at the periphery of how we function in society. We just look at the outside. And it's true that most of us are functioning quite well, thank you very much. Oh, sure, we have our moments, but by and large, we're doing pretty good, aren't we? But in order to realize your sins, you've got to go deeper. You have to look inside of yourself. You have to look in your heart. And if you truly examine your heart, then you also see the dark side of your heart. Then you see how your temper, your impatience, the way you treat others, your selfishness, your irritability, your judgmentalism, etc., etc., how these things hurt your relationship with others, with God especially. We are very observant when it comes to the behavior of others. We really feel it when they step on our toes and even at the toes of others. We clearly see how selfish and how stupid they are and how they do not take others, especially yourself, into consideration. It's easy to be critical of others. But oh boy, when it comes to ourselves, often we are blind to our own behavior. And some people never really reach inside of their own hearts to see how they really behave to see how others, and especially how God, sees them. They are totally blind. They keep on doing the same selfish, stupid things, and yet go around as if they've got it all together. They never look inside of themselves, but are very easy in pointing out the mistakes of others. It is as if they have a steel plate in their head and around their heart. But that's what God commands from us. He wants us to examine ourselves and to realize our own miserable condition. Else, we won't want to come home. He wants us to realize how far we have walked away from him. For when you are away from your father, then you experience misery in the deepest sense. But at the same time, you also experience great joy. And those two must always go together. That's why Lord's Day 1 comes before Lord's Day 2. Think about David, how that functioned with him. Think about how he suffered when he no longer felt his father's presence. In Psalm 32, he expresses his feelings. He says that his bones were wasting away because of his groaning all day long. Day and night, he felt God's heavy hand on him. His strength, he says in that psalm, was sapped as in the heat of summer. Talk about misery. That's how he felt when he no longer experienced God's presence. But he was allowed to come home, wasn't he? When he humbled himself, when he realized he had sinned against God, and after he had confessed his sins from the heart, then God once again opened the door to him. He rejoiced. He said in Psalm 32, verse 7, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. At home he felt safe. 
He felt protected. He felt wanted. He once again experienced the joy of salvation. Brothers and sisters, when you realize your sins and your misery, and when you confess your sins and humble yourself, then God opens up his arms also to you, just like the father did in the parable of the lost son. When the son came home, there was no guard in front of the door who said to him, What are you doing here? You no longer belong here. Get out of here. No, the father opened the door to him. And that's also the way it is for you and for me. Our father in heaven also opens the door to us. And he does that time and again. For we walk away from him all the time, don't we? We sin against him day in, day out. But every time again, he forgives us our sins. And every time again, he opens up the doors wide. And you know who that door is, don't you? That door is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he says about himself in the Gospel of John chapter 10. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. The door is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the gate. Because of him, we may go and enter. It's a great miracle that time and again we may come home, isn't it? And doesn't that show God's great love for us? We have to realize how rich we have it in God's home. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we may not walk away. We may not wander away, not because of the riches he gives us in the first place, but because of the relationship that he has established with us. That wonderful covenant relationship, that wonderful covenant relationship that he also made to this child that was baptized here this afternoon. It is about God's love for us and our love for him. Look at what that young man did in the parable of the lost son. He received all that money, his inheritance. At first he thought that he had won the jackpot. He lived it up. He had a great time. He lived away from mom and dad. He could do whatever he wanted. But it was an empty life. Soon reality set in. He examined himself in the right way. He did not just look at his outward obedience, but he examined his heart. And then he repented, truly repented, for he humbled himself. himself. Brothers and sisters, the Lord our God dearly wants us to be home with him. And he has done everything possible to make that happen. There is nothing that stands in the way except that you also have to want to be home with him. We must believe that he is a loving father in heaven. He likes nothing better than to have his children around him. And so, brothers and sisters, believe. Believe God's sure promises that he will be a father to all those who want to be in his presence. And then the Lord God will call you home. Home forever. Amen.